I want to ask everybody to give a clap of appreciation for Heather, who is dutifully <laughs> dutifully subbed in. Uh, my darling wife, Christy, would be here today, but uh, when she went to go take uh, her mom to the airport, uh, they got there to find out that the flight had been canceled. And uh, so the flight had to be rescheduled for today. And uh, hopefully all goes well and she'll be able to go home and visit her mom and family in Virginia. And uh, Christy should be back around 1230. So this was last minute for Heather. And uh, she stepped in, instant in season and out, and did a wonderful job. Praise the Lord. Uh, and uh, I want to make sure before I go on and get, get to talking too much, uh, now it's time to dismiss Children's Church. Uh, ages 4 to 12, 4 to 13. Ages 4 to 13, there's Mr. Rod Goodner right under the exit door here to my left. Uh, if, uh, you, if your children would uh, follow him, he will take you to the classroom that each of you are supposed to be in. Praise the Lord. Uh, please join me in a brief word of prayer, and we'll get right into the word of God this morning. Um, Father God, just thank you again um, uh, for your for the call of God, um, this great call, this great privilege, Father, uh, to preach your word. Um, just a humble vessel, Father God, that's willing to be used of you, Lord. And, and Father, speak to us, us collectively, all of us today, uh, your word, and um, th- that we might hear your word and walk in obedience there, therein uh, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today, I chose for a title, I want to focus on our purpose. I kind of alluded to that in in, in the message last week, um, show yourself a man. You know, God has a purpose and plan for each of us. And, you know, I may not know what yours is. You may not know what mine is. Um, some of us find our purpose as early as 12, some of us may not find our purpose till 92. Uh, whenever we find it, we'll find it. But th- that's our individual specific purpose. But I believe God has a purpose that is a common purpose for all of us. Things that uh, pertain to his great commission that I feel like it's, it's incumbent upon me to, to call us to and remind us of what is our God-given purpose as the body of Christ. And I, and I believe it is in our mission statement, which is uh, today's message, know God and make him known. And that's, you know, if you boil it down to the nuts and bolts of it, if you just boil it down to its essence, what's God's heart? He wants us to know him. And he wants us to make him known. Are you hearing me? So I'm going to go, we're going to start, we're going to start in Acts chapter 2, and I'm just going to prepare you, we're pretty much going to read the whole doggone verse, all right? But we won't park everywhere and make it a, you know, a two-hour message, but we'll glean little things from there that I feel are important for us today, Um, and it's a familiar passage, so I feel like we won't need to go into everything in great detail, but we'll start at verse 1. And then we'll proceed from there. But this is our purpose. Know God and make him known. And I believe this is going to be a part one uh, because I believe I will follow this up. My plan is to follow this up with, 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 with traits or characteristics that we should be able to employ and walk in that will make us effective in making God known. That we, it will help us know him to a greater degree and make him known to where we can win souls for Christ. And how many of you know that that should be a desire of our hearts as believers to win souls for Christ? There's a sign as you exit our main doors that say you are now entering your mission field. And, you know, and, and, and the objective to that is, you know, Church is not just in these four walls. Church is not just in an hour and a half to two hour block 
that we meet. <laughs> the You know, we are the church. And the church is called to a duty. It's called to a commission, called to a service, called for a purpose to go out into the highways and byways and make known our Heavenly Father. The salvation of God through the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? His Son. And so it says here in the first verse, when the day of Pentecost arrived. First of all, before I go on, I, I want to make sure, I'm, I'm not assuming anything. You're right. I just want you to know, Acts chapter 2, that was not the first Pentecost. Pentecost didn't start that day. Pentecost, in a Greek word, it means 50th. All right? The 50th day after the Passover. It had been observed by the by God's people, the Jewish people, for over a thousand years. All right? And so this was an observance that it's an important remembrance and observance. It's got, it's got lots of names, uh, you know, uh, a feast of the harvest and what have you. But in the Greek term, well, I'm not going to get into all that. It's the Pentecost was not this new thing that just started after Christ's death. It had, it had been observed by God's people ever since God brought them out of Egypt. And so this chapter picks up on the 50th day after the Passover, the 50th day after Christ suffered during the Passover. It has great significance in this, but that's the reason why so many have gathered from different countries. All believers have come together. Not No one knew that God was going to do what he was going to do on the Pentecost. God knew that, but the thing that brought them together was this annual celebration so when they when the day of pentecost arrived they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Serene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? There's always some haters present. But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. They've drunk. They've been drinking the good stuff. What is happening here? And I want to pick this up from the perspective of uh, Jesus' disciples. I want to remind you all that in Luke chapter 24, I didn't have them put that down, but uh, uh, verses 45 to 49 Christ opened up the scriptures for them to understand and he he told them about how he would suffer on the third day and rise from the dead. But then he ended up saying, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. That's the instruction that Jesus gave them. Notice he didn't say, This promise, when this promise is coming, they don't have an exact date. They, I don't believe they were, they were at Pentecost knowing that God was going to move on Pentecost. They were there observing Pentecost as they always did, as was the custom. 
But here's what they did know. And God doesn't always give us the details A to Z. Here's what they did know. That they were supposed to wait in Jerusalem. His disciples did. Wait in Jerusalem. And you're supposed to wait there until I send the promise of my father. How many of you know he's faithful and he keeps his promises? He said, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. You know, to me, that's just like Moses. Go that way until I tell you when you've arrived. Sometimes all God gives us is where he wants us to be. Sometimes all God gives us is wait. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. We'd rather God give us something to do. I want to put on my armor, grab my sword, and and, 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 and advance. I want to do something, God, because to wait is akin to doing nothing, especially in our culture, right? We're, we're a do culture, right? It's hard for us to just sit there and wait, but that is all that they did. It doesn't even say, when I was reading through those first verses, it doesn't even say that they were uh, passing the mic around, taking turns preaching. That they were worshiping and praying. I'm sure that was going on, but it, it says they were sitting there when the spirit dropped. I don't want to focus more on what they must have been doing because if it was important, scripture would have detailed it. What it did detail is that they were obedient to what Jesus told them to do. They were where he told them to be, Jerusalem. They were doing what he told them to do. Wait. That's all he had them do. Be in Jerusalem, wait for the move of God to happen. How many of you know the move, when God moves, it is a supernatural thing. It it is not something that we can drum up and make happen. God's going to do what he's going to do. He's going to do it where he wants to do it, when he wants to do it. The only issue is whether we're going to be in the place, the right place at the right time in obedience to God so that we can be where he's moving and play the part that he's called us to play. Right? So we've got everybody here at this day of Pentecost. Not everybody there walked with Jesus. Not everybody is there because Jesus told them to go there and wait. There are people there from all around. Some of them are there because in obedience to the Lord. Some of them are there to observe Pentecost. Some of them there to interact, to, to con, conduct business. Everybody's there for whatever their reasons are, but isn't it brilliant that God picks this day where you're going to have thousands and thousands and thousands of people congregated for their various for, for their various reasons and he's about to drop something on them that's going to shake everything up he's going to choose that time to fulfill that promise so they were where they were commanded to be and he said stay there well how long do we stay there until you receive power from on high then wait, then you'll get further instructions. They didn't exactly know the day that it would happen. They didn't know exactly what would happen and when. But they were where they were supposed to be in Jerusalem, doing what they were supposed to do, wait. And how many of you know Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They waited on the Lord. So we've got people, this is a God ordained thing. This is a, this is totally a work of the spirit, a a work of God and his divine will. Nobody preached a sermon. All of a sudden, People started speaking in other tongues. 
And imagine this, supernaturally, everybody heard what was being spoken in their own language. That's a miracle. I, 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 I don't believe that each of the people that were speaking in tongues were speaking a different language. The cacophony of that, it would be hard to really hear it. Whatever, whatever they were saying, it was all being interpreted in everyone's ears in their own language. And it says that what they were hearing, that's already miraculous and they're already amazed at that. says that what they were declaring were the mighty works of God. It says we hear them telling in our own tongues. We know they don't know our language. We know what nation they are. We know what language they speak. Yet we're hearing it all in our own languages. And what is it telling us? They don't even know what they're saying. God is speaking to everyone present from every nation under the sun He's speaking to them in the spirit, miraculously, in their own languages, the mighty works of God. And it led to them. They were amazed and they were perplexed, saying to one another an important question. What does this mean? I think we need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, being comfortable going where God tells us to go. You know, we have a community surrounding us, probably 98% of which I do not know. I want to change that. I, I, I want us as a church body to change that. God has planted us here for a reason. I don't know how many people in the surrounding community know the Lord. We know the Lord. Our purpose, our God-given purpose is to know him and to what? Make him known. And there's a fire being lit in me for the second part of that. I want to continue to grow in knowing him, but I want us to really catch the vision of making him known. I want it to, uh, to, to, you know, to bother us that we don't know the spiritual condition of those living around us who reside around our church, uh, our church body, to reside in our neighborhoods, wherever we live, who may be on their way to hell. We have the gospel truth. And, and, and we're not sharing that. You <laughs> know, we're not sharing that and giving them opportunity to hear the truth so that they can come to the Lord. It's up to them what they do with that truth, but we have a job to make him known. And we see here, they were just in Jerusalem, sitting there in faithful obedience to the Lord. They weren't out there with a microphone. They weren't out there doing any great thing. They were just where God told them to do, doing the simple commandment that he told them to do. And he dropped something supernatural that got people's attention and got them to the point to ask, what does this mean? You know, I believe I believe there is that for us in our day and time. We're not trying to duplicate Pentecost that that's already come and gone. But 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 we're trying to. But we have a job to further advance the gospel and be a part of the expansion of the kingdom and for all who will come to the Lord to get an opportunity to do so. Amen? And when God moves... We just move, just think about how they, how flexible they had to be. God moved suddenly. 
And all of a sudden, something's go up, come, come up on them that many of them probably can't even explain. They're just operating in it. And be prepared to give understanding when obvious questions arise. But this is happening where others can observe. This is not happening in some private place that only a small number of people can see and know and be impacted by. This is happening for many, including those who didn't walk with the Lord, to observe. And they're freaked out about it. They're at least amazed. They're perplexed. They're confused. I don't understand this. What's going on here? Are they drunk? And it's okay. It's okay. Sometimes we're afraid because of how we might look if we go out in the public and we do a certain thing. How will this be interpreted? Will we look like fools? Will people, uh, might we do something that would make people shrink away and not consider coming to the Lord? We've just got to concern ourselves with a simple question. All right. Are, are we doing what we're doing in obedience to God? And we've got to trust him with the rest, with the results. So we've got people out there that are amazed and some saying, I think these folks are drunk. They're on the good stuff, new wine. Verse 14, but Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose. Either he got that knowledge in the spirit or these people were bold and, and, and boisterous and loud about their suspicions uh, about what was going on. But these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's an important part of the gospel there. All right. Jesus came as as as, as savior. As lamb of God, he's going to return. He's not coming back as lamb of God. The day of the Lord is coming and judgment is coming. All right. And the only thing that's going to save you from that day is knowing him. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That day is coming, but you don't have to fear that day because you have an opportunity today to come to the only one who can save you from that day, to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So God does something, and they're prepared in the confusion, and when the questions start hitting, they're, they're, they're prepared to share truth about what's going on here testify concerning Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross. All right? And he continues on. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, losing the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not uh, abandon my soul to Hades, Or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make full of gladness. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. And so now they're talking about the crucifixion and the resurrection. 
He didn't have to know Greek and Hebrew and all that stuff. All he got to know is the simple message of the cross. And be willing to obey God, even if God says, go there and wait. Let me lead you and guide you. Let me move and you follow. Don't try to drag God somewhere. Let God lead you. So Peter comes up. He's already talked about the day of the Lord. Judgment is coming. But Jesus died for you. Not only did he die for you, he rose again. David prophesied concerning him. This, Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophecy. God did not let him. He did not abandon him in Hades and did not let his body see corruption. God raised him up on the third day and he's alive forevermore. This is all a part of making him known, y'all. And Peter pulls no punches. Y'all crucified him. Y'all used the Romans to do it, but y'all crucified him. Now notice this. It's a direct message. It's said in love, but it's unadulterated truth. It's not eloquently spoken. You know, he's not the greatest orator, but, but it's the simple, God-honest truth. Hard-hitting, heart-piercing truth. And he's going to do it in a way that they can really receive. No, nobody doubts David and his anointing and his call. Nobody doubts that he had a, a heart after God's own heart. That, that God told him, he gave him a promise that the kingdom would never leave him. Jesus Christ as a descendant of David has ensured that that kingdom will last forever. He's a fulfillment of the promise to David. And he said, you know, David, who wasn't just a king, but a prophet, he, he, he speaks to them what David said concerning the Lord and Christ's fulfillment of it. Now, after this, when they heard this in verse 37, they were cut to the heart. And how many of you know that's what God wants to do? He, he judges the hearts. He's about hearts. When it comes to winning souls, when it comes to making God known, we can't legislate our way to that. We can pass all the laws we want to enforce compliance and not reach a heart at all. Those of us who are parents, you know, realize we, we, we can impose rules and, and, and the law of the house and force compliance upon our kids, but we've not We've not done well by them if the forced compliance, if in the forced compliance we didn't reach their hearts. And some truths are hard, but if we speak those truths in love, then we're loving someone by telling them the hard truth. We're not loving them well by avoiding those hard truths. And they needed to know, you guys, what you did, you were wrong. You killed him. You crucified him. You can't say the Romans did it because the Romans, you gave them no other choice. You had an opportunity to set him free, but you chose Barabbas, a known guilty person, to go free because you were determined that this guy be crucified. Some of you don't even know why you did it. You were just going with the crowd, mob mentality. Ginned up by those who hated him. Right? But, okay, but you did it. But there's redemption for you. You know, not everything that happened bad in my life, as much as I wanted to, not everything that happened bad in my life was the fault of somebody else. Some things I had to own. Some choices I made. And regardless of what happened and whoever else I tried to blame, I had to look myself in the mirror and say, I did this. I made this choice. I'm dealing with the consequences of my own actions. I sinned against you, Lord, and I need to repent. There's no, but he did this to me. That's why I did that. No, no, no. No one can make you do anything. 
I chose to do those things. And we, and they had to know that you did this of your own choice. Nobody made you do it. You chose to do it. He was crucified because of you. But don't worry. It was the plan of God for you. Because he was crucified, because he was the son of God, the only begotten son of God, because he suffered, died, and rose again, he became sin for you. He became your propitiation. What he did on the cross, as painful and ugly and shameful as it was for him, was to our benefit and to our glory. He willingly allowed himself to be crucified so that you could, you and I could be reconciled to him. So telling someone they're guilty is not judgmental if it's true. Truth isn't judgment. Now, saying what ought to happen to you as a result of that, then you're moving over into the, now you're grabbing the gavel. I, I, I want the truth to be spoken to me. If I'm out of line or out of order, you know, tell me. I can't guarantee it won't be an intense moment of fellowship. But we can work through it. Because at the end of the day, I want to honor God. I may be stubborn and I may be prideful in that moment. I may not react well initially. But but there is a desire to walk with God, to obey him, to honor him, that you giving me that truth, you challenging me in that way or sharing that with me, now it's on my mind and the Holy Spirit can deal with me. All right? So I can't guarantee you that it will go well with you in that moment. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I, you know, I can't guarantee how well it will go. But I welcome it nonetheless. Because the truth must be told. And we've got to love each other enough that we're willing to do that. But to do it in love. To be willing to risk that. I love you enough that I'm willing to risk your ire in order to speak the truth in love to you. Because I know that God has begun a work in you that he's faithful to complete. And, 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 and we're supposed to love one another. And love includes speaking the truth to one another. So uh, I, I'm not going to gossip behind your back. I'm not going to tear you down. I'm going to arrange a, a meeting. We can talk about this. And we can share, share our thoughts on the matter. And hopefully we can reason together. And where repentance is necessary, repentance happens. And we remain in good fellowship and we can walk forward in the Lord. Because all of us really should be wanting to grow in Christ. And we should want to conduct ourselves and walk in such a way as to be a good witness for him. Are you hearing me? And so, you know, let's let's be champions of truth. Let's embrace truth. Let's, you know, if some, you know, let's invite that kind of accountability I want you to speak into my life. One another. We ought to want to do that. We invite that because we have an objective that we want to be conformed into the image of Christ. We want to grow and be a true reflection of him character-wise, attitude-wise, conduct-wise. And so as a result of that truth being spoken, the way that it was, direct, no sugarcoating, they were now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Their hearts were were reached. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? I love that. What shall we do? They didn't do an outreach campaign. It wasn't this well thought out thing that we're just going to reach the masses, right? They were just walking with God and obeying God. When God was ready, he moved. And when God moved because they were in obedience where God wanted him to where, where God wanted them to be, waiting on him, they were prepared to move when God moved. They were prepared to give voice to what God was doing and the significance of it. And when he did that, 
they were cut to the heart and asked the question, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And I know uh, this passage gets uh, preached, and I've done it myself, with, with the emphasis on Holy Spirit baptism, but 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 that that was the promise. All right? I, I, I want to focus on the commission, the purpose. The Holy Spirit gave them power. You're going to receive power from on high to be my witnesses effectively. But we've got to decide that we're going to be his witnesses, right? That we're going to go out there with a heart and a mind and an intent to make him known. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Very direct, man. It's a, it, it's just an unadulterated hard truth. This generation is crooked. Everything you've known up to this point, all these societal norms and everything, there is crookedness in this generation. And everybody thinks their generation was the greatest. But in truth, every generation was crooked apart from God. Amen. No, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. I'm going to wrap up in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, but and, and y'all can begin to turn there uh, for those of you who brought your Bibles. But it, it, it just, it moves me to see really how little the apostles had to do in order for 3,000 people to end up coming to the Lord and receiving the gift of his salvation. You know, we think we've got to do such great things and we've got to be so equipped and so educated to do so many things. And really all we got to do is to know God and to be uh, a true disciples that are willing to learn from him and do what he says. Be at the church we're supposed to be at. With servants' hearts, willing to serve uh, in, 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 in honor of the Lord's name. To be willing to serve one another, but also being willing to walk in obedience to what he has commanded us to do. Uh, what commissioned us to do. Know him and to make him known. I want to read a few verses from Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 to 23. And I guess if I were to, uh, one of the drawaways I want uh, as we look at this, I want you to see his servant's heart as we read these verses and realize this is one of the character traits that I think is important for us in uh, that we're going to have to uh, be desirous of and commit ourselves to applying in our lives that we want to truly have a servant's heart not just as it pertains to our church body but a servant's heart that reaches out into our community as well he says for though I am free from all I have made myself a servant to all I would underline, I would encourage you to underline or highlight that. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Notice what he's focused on winning. I 
I think it's important that we always properly define what is a win. Right? He's like, I got freedom. But I put on my servant's hat. I put on my servant heart. Subject myself to people in, in willingness to serve that I might win more of them for Christ. Uh, God is concerned about the lost souls. Therefore, my concern is for the lost souls. God has called me to know him and to make him known. So I want to make known, make him known to as many souls as I can. Are you hearing that? For though I am free from all, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. It's not just about me and the blessings I receive in the gospel. I want to win others who can share with me in these blessings. And that's really, his heart has been fused with the heart of God. He's <laughs> like, God, give me your heart for the lost. And so, um, I put this down as a part one, and I, I know it's, it's, a, it's a lot of uh, scriptures. I believe in uh, letting the word I believe in reading the full passages and letting the word give give the proper context um, instead of just doing snippets and uh, of verses. And so, excuse me, it may take a little longer doing it that way, but I also feel that it's more effective in getting the message across. Um, and and I would encourage you to read and reread those passages yourselves and let the Lord speak to you um, individually what he would have you do to do and, and, and how he would have you to do it. But I don't, this, these verses in first Corinthians chapter nine, uh, Paul doesn't have an identity crisis and Paul isn't putting on a mask and being fake in all these areas. What he's just simply saying, he's, he's relating to everybody where they're at. He's not compromising who he is in the Lord. But if you have people who are into, you know, they're into Judaism, they haven't had their freedom yet, they don't know the Lord, you know you don't have to do certain observances and feasts and so forth. But that doesn't mean you can't join them in theirs for fellowship and have an opportunity to declare the gospel to them. Are you hearing me? I wouldn't go out clubbing with somebody who is uh, not a believer and I wouldn't go out into certain environments with them uh, where, where, where certain shenanigans are going on that uh, might, might not be a good witness and might not reflect well. All right. But, but you can interact with them and fellowship with them and, 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 and gain relationship with them that give you an opportunity to speak into their lives. I've said many times, the carnal mind, scripture tells us, Paul says, the carnal mind cannot understand the things of the spirit, right? So if you're going to argue spiritual matters with someone who has not been born again, I can tell you where that's going to end. You're not going to be pleased with the end result. All right? So why don't we start with the winning of souls? Why don't we start building a relationship and playing the long game, like like those of us who fish. Sometimes, you know, it takes longer than you like to get the fish. Sometimes you have to try different lures. <laughs> sometimes, you, you know, sometimes it's a trial and error kind of a deal. And you, some, some days you, they, they just practically jump into the boat or jump, jump into your bucket. Uh, other days, you wonder if the, 
if the if the lake has been drained. Who beat you to the spot? Whatever it is. But you got to be patient. You know, you've got to be uh, creative, intuitive. You, you, you know, you're going to have to be persistent. Right? And so what we know, we don't know yet what makes this person tick. We, But we do know Christ died for this person. God put him or her on my heart for a reason. So I'll just take some preliminary steps to enter into relationship. To let the person know that there's somebody out there that cares about them. To even let them know, you may not share my faith, but but God's put you on my heart. And so uh, I'd like for us to start meeting, get to know each other. Um, I believe God put you on my heart for a reason. And, um, and I just want to do everything that I can in order to let that come to light. Right. And so we don't know everything. We're just we're, we're outside the boat. We're stepping out of the boat. We're going to walk on water. We're in this uncertain territory. But I believe that's exactly where God wants us to be. It's awesome that our names are written in the land's book of life. But 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 God doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all should come unto repentance is his desire. And so uh, let us. Be intentional and very deliberate about making him known. Um, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I may win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. And I realize I'm repeating this. It's intentional. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that I that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Just empathizing with people. And endeavoring to meet them where they're at. The power of presence means more a lot of times than than, than I can really uh, than I can really say. But having a servant's heart, as exemplified here in First Corinthians chapter nine by Paul. Um, I believe is a critically important uh, trait for us to adopt and to uh, to desire and to grow in so that we can be focused on reaching people's hearts. Not just walking in fear of what their conduct, how their conduct can negatively impact our society and walking in fear and wanting to avoid these people because of the challenges that are present. You know, not everybody wants to do relationship with, their, with, with certain people because it's messy, it's hard, it's difficult. Um, but I, I believe, at least for this church, I believe God has called us there. He's called us to be willing to embrace the messy, the hard, the challenging, the quirky, the weird. <laughs> you, know, all, you know, to really embrace all of that, Right? Because God loves them too. And God wants to do a work. He wants to show himself real and strong on their behalf. And I'll finish Proverbs 11 verse 30 which says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And whoever captures, King James Version says, Whoever winneth souls is wise. But the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And whoever captures souls is wise. You know, and I kind of ponder that the fruit of the righteous, you know, Jesus said that he that we he wants us to bear much fruit unto the Lord as we bear righteous fruit, you know, fruit that other people can eat of. Fruit of life, 
right? As we are obeying God and walking in obedience to him and and making him known and sharing the gospel, loving people as Christ loved people. Um, uh, You know, one of the stories that always comes to mind is the woman caught in adultery. He didn't have to intervene there. And she was guilty. If she was caught in adultery, she wasn't the only one guilty. I get that. But she was guilty. He didn't deny her guilt. But he cared enough to intervene in that situation. And when they told him what she did and what the law says ought to happen to her, he said, well, you're right. You've got the right interpretation of the law. I tell you what, though, let he who is without sin enforce her punishment. Brilliant, as only God can do. What does he do? He says, okay, I tell you what, you guys are out here and you're, you're walking in condemnation of this woman. Let the, let the person who's never sinned, let the person who is, is not, who, the person present here who is not in any way guilty of violating the law be the first one to throw a stone. And they all ended up dropping their stones and walking away because every person there with a rock ready to condemn her to death was themselves guilty under the law and deserving of the same punishment. And when they were all gone, he looked at her and he said, woman, where, where are your accusers? It all left. And, and she said, none, they're gone. He said, well, neither do I condemn you. And he didn't give her a free pass and say, you, what you did, you know, you didn't do anything wrong. Those people are just crazy. No, he said, go and sin no more. So despite her behavior, despite her performance, unacceptable behavior, unacceptable performance, he loved her in that moment where she was at. And then after intervening and showing her love, he gave her a charge. In that moment, he saved her from a certain death. And he told her, what you did was wrong. You are, they're right. You're guilty under the law, but I don't condemn you. I forgive you. Now, now, now do something with this life. You're, you're, you're not the adulterous woman. You, your future before you now is a redeemed woman. Let the woman who they wanted to stone to death, let that woman, the old you, die. You don't have to physically be dead, but let that old life die right here. From now on. Go with God. Now imagine that. Imagine how much weight his words carried when he gave her that charge. When he loved her where she needed to be loved. He saw her. Not, he saw her guilt, but he looked, he saw past the guilt and saw her. And said, you're guilty. They're right about that. You're guilty. But I see in you something more than a guilty person. I see in you value. I see in you someone that matters. Someone that matters to God. I, I, I see in you someone who I'm about to go to the cross and die for. And, 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 and it is my pleasure to do that for you because you are created by me and I want relationship with you. I want to be with you forever. Right? And when you lead with that, then your word, the truth you speak, the, the truth you can speak to them and it resonates. It can take it to heart because you've shown you care. Jesus could have tried to have that conversation with her before she was about to get stoned to death. And it may not have had the same impact. 
We can have arguments. We can have debates. A person ought to know better. God, strike him down. That's not the heart God wants us to have. Are you hearing me? But he who captures souls is wise. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. So many down and out people encountered Jesus. And Jesus led with very practical love. The Pharisees wouldn't be caught dead with any of those people. They wouldn't eat a meal with them, wouldn't drink wine with them, wouldn't let them in their house, wouldn't visit their house, wouldn't say two words to them because those people made their choices. Those people are sinners. They're dirty. They're unworthy. And what did Jesus do? He went right into the hood. He went right to those dirty, filthy sinners and he sat with them and he ate with them and he drank with them and he blessed them. Amen. And if we're going to be his followers, you know, well, what he showed was a servant mentality there. He's the Lord of all, but he came as a servant to all. And he gave blind, he gave blind, uh, uh, blinded guy sight. He gave the lame ability to walk again. He saved the life of adulterous people. Basically, he walked in love, (laughs) right? He loved God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength, and he loved his neighbor as himself. And really, that's what is uh, what's demanded of us, that if we exhibit the fruit of righteousness, it's like a tree of life for those who are looking and need that life that is resonating on the inside of us. The life of the spirit that clothes us and who, in it, who is on the inside of us. That has been given to us to empower us to be a witness for Jesus, to witness for Jesus and the gospel the same way Jesus did, the same way the apostles did. And so I would challenge you, all of us, to adopt that servant mentality both within our, in our homes, in our church family, but just as importantly, outside of our church family, outside those walls, in our mission field. As you leave today, I'm going to say this again because when you leave today, I want you to notice that you're now entering your mission field. And I hope it hasn't been taken down. But, but we can fix that. When every day, every Sunday you leave church, you're entering into your mission field. And just be in prayer to God about who God might want to highlight to you and how he might want you, where he might want you to be and how he might want to use you to share the gospel. To people within your sphere of influence, neighborhood, job, just wherever. I'm going to ask you all to stand. Father God, uh, we just thank you so much that you are, that, uh, that you love us so. Uh, we thank you for your word that challenges us, that convicts us, that guides us, Father, uh, according to your will and your way. Um, And Father God, uh, this church's mission statement includes that statement to love, to know God and to make him known. And and Father God, uh, you know, and Father God, everyone in this church body, I believe, knows you. Um, But Father God, we need to grow in our knowledge of you. So I pray that we continue to grow. And part of that growth is going to require that we do exactly what we're challenged to do today, Father God, going out into that mission field, going out, Father God, with the intentionality to make you known to those who might not know you. Um, 
there is growth that can happen there, Father God, that can't happen any other way. And so, and so, Father, I, I, I thank you for speaking to us. Uh, Father, I, I, I thank you for open and attentive ears, Father God, for open hearts, Father, that are prepared and receptive of this message, Father God, who will take it to heart and, uh, to, and commit it to prayer and endeavor to be intentional in walking it out. And I thank you, Father God, for the gift of the Holy Spirit that is there to help us, to guide us, to lead us in the doing of it. And we don't, all we have to do is do the simple things that you have, that you tell us to do. The supernatural workings are all on you, Father God. You will do with it as you see fit. We'll just trust you there, Lord, uh, in humble obedience. So I pray, Father God, that you bless your people, Lord, and and um, to grow in this, Lord, and, and just guide us as a church as we um, create opportunities uh, for, uh, for our church body to, to walk in these things and to get comfortable in it. Uh, Father, uh, I just thank you for, uh, for guidance and to lead us, Father God, to do those things that will help us uh, to grow in that, Father. In, in Jesus' name be glorified and, and, and magnified by us and in us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.